Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. I have the incredible job of interviewing geniuses from around the world about the trend shaping the way we live and work. This summer, I'm interviewing 12 futurists and forward-thinking leaders so we can better understand how they identify trends, bet their sources, and what is filling them with optimism. We're doing this so you and our global audience of leaders can become better visionaries for your organizations. Today's interview is with futurist David Houle. David is the author of a number of books, including the 2020s, The Golden Age of Design and Redesign. David believes the 2020s will be the most disruptive decade in human history. In our discussion, we talk about some of the books that have influenced his thinking, as well as some of the trends he's following closely, including aging and artificial intelligence. The 12 Geniuses Futures Friday episodes are brought to you exclusively by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is a B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. Reach out at thestarconspiracy.com for more information or to schedule a chat with the team. David, welcome back to 12 Geniuses. My pleasure to be here as always. So I'm just going to ask you a number of questions. And the first one is very simple. What are you reading, watching, or listening to that you would recommend to our listeners that they should pay attention to in order to better prepare for the future? James Lovelock, I think he's a Nobel Prize winner in science. He came up with the concept of Gaia. And Novacine is his loving look at the merging of artificial intelligence and environmental future. And it was published, uh, in, I think it was 2019, on his 100th birthday. So Novacine by James Lovelock. The other big book I read, I think it was back then, was Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow by Yuval Harari. I, I think that's the book to read if you're concerned about the future of his three or four books. He's obviously one of the big thinkers of the time. A book that changed my thinking that I think I've mentioned to you is A Planet of Three Billion by Christopher Tucker, who is the CEO and chairman of the board of the United States Geographical Society. His whole premise is in order to survive, for civilization to survive, we have to reduce our population to 3 billion by 2100. Completely changed my thinking. Whether it's 3 billion or 6 billion, there is no way that we can move to um, regenerative relationship with Earth without decreasing our population. And then the last book, of course, is the one that I find I reference a lot, but it's the one I wrote, which is The Golden Age of Design and Redesign. And I would recommend that because it sets the context of why and why we have to redesign or design everything anew in this moment in time. Anything that is more bite-sized, like a podcast, articles, um, authors that you can think of? Well, it, it, that relates to, um, I think, an impending question about research. Uh, I'm the most superficial grazer you'd ever want to meet I, you know on any given day i have 200 to 300 inbound selected emails that are newsletters you know five or six about climate that i vetted that i can trust technology education healthcare, um uh, life extension a lot of them a lot of media because i used to be in media uh, so, so a lot of that, um, I believe that my responsibility as a futurist is to pay attention to things that are going on 
that people who, because they're involved in their lives or their businesses, aren't seeing. So I try to see the dots and connect them. And the only real way for me to do that is to look real widely, superficially across all the major sectors that are of interest to me that influence humanity. So you get these two to 300 emails. How much time are you spending on them? How quickly do you determine this is something I need to explore more deeply or this is something that's irrelevant to me? What's the process look like there? It, it, it has to be really fast. I, you know, I do not have the time to spend six hours a day reading 600, 300 emails. So when I scan them, the interesting thing is when I come up with something that is, is repetitive that I don't know. Okay, so, so this is a pattern that's coming from technology, from education. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a sector to focus on. That's, a, that, that's, a, that's a, an interesting PowerPoint. Um, so it's a lot of times I won't even read them. I'll look. I'll just look at the at the subject matter, right? You know, um, and 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 right, a prime example of that was back in 2016, when I had three or four things that came in, and they said, I think it was said, move 37. What the hell is move 37? So I went through the rabbit hole and found that move 37 was the second game of. Alpha Go, which is Google's um, um, artificial intelligence, the second game, Move 37, of a five-game series where AlphaGo defeated the Go the global Go master. And 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 so I went down there, and that reunited my whole interest in uh, in artificial intelligence because it was it has been for 30 years the next big thing. That's never the next big thing. And starting on 2015 and 2016 was the key. For the, for the go thing. So it blew up. So that's what I find by looking widely and superficially. And being a futurist, I'm sure there are tons of things that come across your desk and you're like, this is, this is science fiction. This can't be real. How do you determine what is actually true and what is not? The only way a futurist can really be good at what they do is to be very focused on the now and the present, or at least that's for me. Because the future happens now. The future starts now. The future is being created now. The technologies and the dynamics are in motion now. So, so um, most people don't see the present because they're in their legacy thinking that, oh, today's going to be just like yesterday. I went to work the same way or I didn't go to work the same way or whatever. And so the only way for me to, to be able to ascertain the validity of something happening is to go through, well, where's the status now? Where was it in the past? And see if there's a, a trajectory. So that's the macro. The specifics is to verify, right? For example, um, pre-COVID, um, I was doing a lot of research on um, thought onto the internet, consciousness onto the internet. And, and I found one place that said by 2029, we may be uploading consciousness to the internet on to whatever the internet is at that point, right? And I said, that's sci-fi. You know, in other words, the way it was described was my grandkids will be able to relive my memories. How sci-fi does that sound, right? So I went and looked and I found another place that was saying, oh, by the early 2030s, we should be able to upload consciousness. So that verified there's enough. Of, of, of a mindset in that direction that it could be possible. But 
if you have somebody like me who's just pontificating something and there's not any corroborating, either got to trust me because of my past veracity or not. Is there a social trend right now that you're exploring and that is fascinating? I wrote down uh, um, aging, life extension, extreme fitness, biohack, only because I've been doing it. I'm now in my seventh year of doing things that are now, oh, this is what you do for life extension, you know, taking um, metformin, which is a, di a diabetic drug, NAD, lots of stuff. Uh, and and uh, with the onset of COVID, I decided to go back into what has, I've always been a gym rat all my life, but but what is extreme fitness? How, how, how much can somebody who is in their early 70s extend life? And how does that happen? And, you know, by extension, that gets you into it, not for me, at least genetic engineering and stuff like that. So to me, that's a, that's a great interest. And I think it's, you know, to some degree, it's, part of being a boomer, like it's all about us and we want to live forever, you know? But, uh, but so I find that very interesting. And it, you know, it had it, it, earlier in our, in my lifetime, it wasn't an issue. Now it's an issue, I think, because we've learned, so we've broken the, the genetic code where by the end of this decade, we will have completely explored the mind. So we're, so science is coming up with the knowledge of the body and, and physiology so that it, it's a possible real science. Um, you know, uh, uh, Ray Kurzweil said 15 years ago, hey, if you can live to 2025, you'll be able to live forever. Well, you know, he's a bit of an extremist relative to stuff like that. But, but I think there's a certain amount of point where we're going to say, uh, how, long, how long do you want to live because you have a choice? That's fascinating to me. I mean, it, it, it is fascinating. And what Kurzweil said and what you just said a couple minutes ago, the ability to upload our consciousness, it, it begs the question, what is life? And if you, if you can upload your consciousness, then you could download the consciousness into another vessel, another body, potentially. I mean, the, the, you know, so, well, so maybe well, he's not wrong. One of the bottom lines on all the presentations I make is, you know, because you know my, 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 my message is that the 2020s is the most disruptive decade in history. By the end of this decade, um, we will have been spending the next five or six years fighting morality problems. We can clone a human now, but we don't. We can genetically alter for all time the genetics of a couple that's about to give to have children. We can offload significant amounts of human labor to artificial intelligence. We can probably develop a set of eyeballs that will be guaranteed 2020 vision for 10 years. I mean, it starts out, I got a you know, an artificial hip. Getting back to the social trend that you're you're exploring aging. What do you think is possible? Uh, you talked about Kurzweil and, and immortality and Harari said, you know, for the first time that I had read it, immortality, uh, which is a, a new concept for me. But what do you think is possible when it comes to aging? If everybody has a genetic map done at age 21 and a full biometrics at age 50, then you can have life extension from 
middle age, 50, that will extend life easily collectively to 100 to 125 years. We talked about social trends or a social trend. What new technology are you tracking now? And yeah, I'll just leave it at that. What new technology are you tracking now? The two that I would pick are battery technology and technological intelligence. Technological intelligence is what I call artificial intelligence. Electricity was the single greatest invention for how we live on the planet. Artificial intelligence, technological intelligence will equal that in this century. It will be the single greatest thing after electricity to shape how we live. So that to me is about as huge as it can get, right? What are a couple of ways in which you can say with relative certainty that we will improve as a species because we have technical intelligence? It, it is serving as our memory. It's serving as our guide. It's serving as our reservoir of past knowledge that we may have forgot. And what do you see as the risks? The simple statement, the true statement that technology is neutral. It's how humans use it. There is no bad technology with the possible exception of creating weapons of destruction. And this, and this, and so if I can interrupt you, sure. your earlier point about morality, and I would, I would say, or use ethics, but maybe they can be used simultaneously. <laughs> it's become so important. Yes. To society. Yeah. Like I, th- I think ethicists become one of the more important functions in our society going forward. And we, we haven't spent enough time listening to Ephesus. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I find that in my, how do I want to spend this last stage of my life as a futurist? I find that I'm, I'm dealing with ethics evermore because it seems to me that's what's needed to course correct humanity. So. What was our line of talking well, about? Well, what, what additional risks when it comes to technical intelligence? Oh, um, so I use the metaphor, the Wright brothers, right? In 1901, they created a whole new medium of transportation. They shortened distances. 16 years later, humans were dropping bombs from it in World War I, right? So, so technological intelligence um, can be misused by those that want to have power over others. One of the things that I really love about talking with futurists is they're generally optimists. And so I'm wondering what is filling you with a sense of optimism right now? I'm very optimistic because of humanity need and desire to maintain itself. To, um, I believe in good versus evil. I believe what Dr. King said that the through line you know, moves towards fairness and the just. So I do believe in that. I believe that, um, you know, as I wrote in the, the, the book, The Golden Age of Design, you have three impediments to change. You have the physical, you know, relative to say climate change, for example, you have the physical impediments of the install system already, which is hard to change. If, if, if petroleum is infused in all aspects of our life, it's hard to get off it, right? The second thing is the thinking, the legacy thinking that led to the install base is so entrenched and documented that it's hard to overthrow. And then, of course, the third thing, 
are all those who are installed in power, who maintain their power and their wealth by the status quo. So, so can the human spirit, can the through line of human ingenuity, spirituality, beauty, um, equality, can all those positive things triumph over those big three? And I'm, and I'm focusing on those big three because that's what is happening right now. Is there anything else you would add to help leaders become better visionaries or prepare them for the future? Think about what you're doing today and how much of it is somewhat mindlessly based on what you've always done before, whether it's worked or not. If it hasn't worked, you won't be tending to do it. But if you've done something in the past that works, it may not, it may work today, but it may not work tomorrow. The speed of change is accelerated to the point where it's environmental. So all aspects of one's life is in a rapid state of change. So if the only constant in the universe is change, if there wasn't change, we wouldn't need time to measure the change. So if the only constant in the universe is change, what are you, leader, doing to change? I think that's great advice. And uh, I think that's a great place for us to stop. David, thank you again for your time. And thank you for being a three-time genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses. And thank you again to The Star Conspiracy for sponsoring our Summertime Futures Friday series. On next week's show, I interview Garrett Leonhardt, a futurist based out of Zurich, Switzerland. Garrett often says that the future is already here, we just haven't paid enough attention to it. In the interview, Garrett is going to help us understand exactly what it is we should be paying attention to to better understand our present and the future. Thank you to Richard, Jonathan, J. Tony, and the rest of our production team at GL Pro in London. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius.